and they're not mutually exclusive. And hopefully uh, in the Methodist Church, uh, I would say we have a theology of grace, just a belief in uh, that unconditional love of God for all of creation and all of us. Uh, but also we would call it a practical theology, uh, which basically means do we find this to be true in our day-to-day -day life? And so it's not pie in the sky where it says, well, maybe someday this will happen. But uh, as we hear sermons and words and experience life, we say, well, I have found that this is true. This is part of our day-to-day -day lives. And this is one of those um, scriptures that um, has, has taken a great deal of time, and, but it's very challenging. But at the same time, I think if we take, look at, examine our lives, we'll notice it to be true. And so Jesus says in the Gospel of John here, the 16th chapter, Very truly, I tell you, you will weep and mourn. We will weep and mourn, and the world will rejoice, and we will have pain, but our pain will turn into joy. And then he moves into this wonderful metaphor. When a woman is in labor, she has pain because her hour has come. But when her child is born, she no longer re remembers the anguish because of the joy of having brought a human being into the world. And so you have pain now, but I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. And I know I read quite often from some of these uh, spiritual masters and gurus, they'll say that women quite often naturally are more spiritual or more enlightened than men uh, because they understand the relationship between pain giving way to joy just because of their experiences in life. And so this is the, the word of God uh, for each and every one of us here today. Amen. And as we take some time just to pray and to reflect silently uh, on these words, what have you found to be that relationship between uh, sorrow and joy or grief and joy in your life? What have you found to be true with that relationship between sorrow and joy or pain or and joy or grief and joy? Let's take a few moments just to pray and to reflect on that. Let us pray. Amen. Well, anyone with a, a thought on just what you have discovered in, in your experience in life with that relationship between sorrow and joy and grief and joy? Yes, Amy? They feel like a woven blanket. <laughs> okay. They feel like a woven blanket. They, they're so intertwined. It's hard sometimes to distinguish them. They're just so close together. I have found that to be true quite often. Yeah. Anyone else there? What does, yeah, Ellis? A question. I kind of visualize a sine curve. Where this line graphs below the horizon and then goes above the horizon. And I wonder if we experience life differently and that some of us get higher highs and lower lows. And some people that are more of a less moderation. Right. Yeah, there, um, Ellis was asking um, 
if we experience life differently between the highs and the lows, and you might say between the joy and the sorrows, and uh, that's a good question. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And those are things that we, we certainly ponder. And yeah, depending on our experiences and how much time we spend with those, um, yeah, we, we hopefully we spend time with that sorrow and grief and ask, well, what is what is there to learn from this? And we grow. And I, I think our experience changes as we grow older too. Yeah, with the grief and the sorrow and our understanding of that, as well as the joy. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know why it, it does seem. Uh, yeah, you take someone like Mother Teresa who had a lot of joy, and at the very same time she had tremendous sorrow because she was very well aware of the suffering of the world. And they just coexisted. Any, anyone else with that sorrow and joy? Yeah, Peter? I think we owe it to ourselves to allow joy to come in to our lives and, and to share that with others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when we allow that joy to come in, I almost think like we can't help but share it. <laughs> it's just, it's contagious. And we, you know, I, I think of those, our, our, our best friends, those little dogs and pets, they share joy and <laughs> we, we have to share it with someone else. Yeah, Carol? Right. And so that brings you back to joy for having had that. Right. And I think about that with certain people in my life and right. relations. Yeah. You know, as I've gotten older, I had a dear friend when I was a college student who was a faculty <laughs> member. When we went back as faculty, you know, she treated me almost as a daughter. She was my mother away from home. And she was always there. And she was single. And uh, she became the godmother to our daughter. Uh, when she passed away, it was really hard to lose her. But as I've gotten closer to her age, I've realized more about how much she gave to us. Right. I wasn't aware. I thought I was aware. Of right. Yeah. Yeah. But the joy increases. Right. If you had that before. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. I should just say amen and we should go. That was... <laughs> yeah. I was... Uh, at the first part, I always find it fascinating, the paradox... The more love we experience in life, the more sorrow we're going to experience in life. And like Carol was saying, as uh, <clears throat> maybe initially, especially with that passing or death, we're just overwhelmed with the pain and the grief. But then as we move through it, we start to notice the gifts that that person shared with us and gave to us. And so that sorrow turns into joy over time. And we continue to reap those gifts throughout our life as, as we become more mature and we start to see that person. I don't know if we ever can truly see someone in their entirety. That's why we continue to receive, I think, gifts. And I would even say that those gifts are from that person, the gifts of God moving through that person 
and we we receive them. Yeah, that's wonderful. Y'all could have get all you could have given the sermon just fine. <laughs> yeah, we just picked that up through living life. Any other thoughts there on joy and sorrow? It's a great subject because um, we're all going to have joy <clears throat> and we're all going to have sorrow. And it's what we do with it that matters and just the experiences and the understanding that we gain from it. And, and I have read many, many times, uh, if Christianity is anything, it must be joy. So many times I've read that. And, and like Larry and Amy were pointing out, we, we've kind of lost that joy. We get kind of stodgy <laughs> and uh, get kind of hung up on some of our beliefs. But that faith is truly joy. It's joy. That any pain, any grief, any suffering may be experienced, it's very real and we spend time with it. But it does give way to joy. That grief, it does not have the final answer or the final say. And that likeness, when I think about joy, it's, I don't even think we can necessarily manufacture joy. It's truly a gift where you're just kind of walking down a path and just feeling comes over you and you feel this lightness and you don't even know where it comes from. And everything feels good and there's just a lightness to our step. And it's just a gift from God, from, from the universe. And we're just overwhelmed with joy. And she seems to come from out of nowhere or from deep within our hearts there. <clears throat> and joy is a fruit of the Spirit. We read that in Galatians, the love, the joy, and the peace. And I kind of use these fruits as kind of like a barometer. If there's an absence of love and joy and peace or patience or kindness in my life, it's time for me to examine and say, what is holding me up? What is preventing me from cultivating that fruit or living in that fruit or, or eating that fruit? And so it's a good way for us to examine our lives. <clears throat> when Jesus is born, the angels, they start singing. We bring you good news of great joy for all people. And that's the gospel, a message of joy. And Richard Foster, he writes in his book, The Celebration of Discipline, he says, joy is the motor. It's the thing that keeps everything else going. And joy produces energy and joy makes us strong. So there is an emphasis on joy, on living in joy and, and walking in joy. So I agree with this completely, that love and joy <clears throat> are fundamental to who we are. It's our basic essence. Do any of you remember the movie uh, Cocoon? <clears throat> I kind of have that image <laughs> for us. There's these aliens that, that come to live on Earth, and they're just highly enlightened people. And when you see them, they have skin, and they look just like us. And if you remember in the movie, when they, at night, when they peel away their skin, they are just this bundle of energy. And they're just pure light and pure joy. Well, I actually think that's who we are. <laughs> that when you go beneath our skin and deep within our heart where God resides, it's just pure light and joy and love and goodness. But we get wrapped up in all these other things in life and we have to work through the pain and the suffering. And we have to go deep to find that, that energetic joy 
that beauty and that light that is just shining. And like Peter is saying, when we, when we discover that, we're, we're aware of it, we can't help but share it with other people. So joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy. And we have to keep choosing it every day of our lives, says Henry Nguyen. We have to say yes to joy. And so how much joy do we experience on a day-to-day basis with all of the struggles and all the difficulties and our grief and our sorrow? Because it's very easy to lose track of joy. And over the past three weeks, I have experienced tremendous sorrow. And at the very same time, there's been tremendous joy as well. And with the passing of my mother, the woman who gave birth to me, there's tremendous joy in thinking about that act and how she labored, like these scriptures mentioned, how she labored in pain to give birth to me. And kind of a little side note, it was, it was kind of interesting on the way over to the ER. Uh, mom was having a heart attack, and we didn't, of course, know that at the time, but I knew she was in a lot of pain. And I said, what was more painful? The pain you're in right now or giving birth? And without hesitation, she said, giving birth. <laughs> I was kind of shocked. <laughs> I was kind of shocked by that answer. So then I had to follow up. I said, well, which birth was more difficult, me or uh, my sister? And again, no hesitation. She said, you. <laughs> she goes, I have never had so much pain. And they had to stitch me up all over the place. She goes, oh. She goes, it was so much pain. But she was smiling as she told the story, knowing that the pain gave way to great joy, being a part of creation. So I had tremendous sorrow, and I still have tremendous sorrow over losing my mother, who gave birth to me. She bandaged my wounds. She picked me up when I was down. She typed all those papers in high school after I wrote them out. And she nurtured me into adulthood. So with her passing, I have been reintroduced to some old acquaintances, sorrow and pain and grief. And I did not invite them into my life. I don't think we ever do. They just showed up at the door, kind of as unwelcome house guests. And so what do we do when these guests arrive in our house? I remember the sorrow over these past three weeks, just walking into my mother's room and seeing her shadows and feeling that empty void. And the sorrow and the pain and the grief is very real. And I still expect to see my mom coming around the corner of the kitchen with her, her beautiful smile and those blue eyes, with her faithful dog, Angel, trotting along beside her. But there's only silence, and there's sorrow. In the first few days, maybe you remember this as well, when you've had loved ones pass, pass on, those first, those first few days after she died, though, 
her phone would continue to ring. And they didn't have the strength to answer it and tell whoever was calling the news. So I would just let it ring for whom the bells toll. And I'm sure we can all relate when someone we love passes on, <clears throat> the regrets that surface. I should have listened to more of her stories. I should have taken more time to walk with her and to hold her hand. And I should have been more present. And the sorrow and the grief cuts very deep. And who will bandage my wounds now? Because we are human, we hurt. Because we are human, we have tears to cry. And because we are human, our hearts are broken. And because we are human, we understand that loss is a universal language. We can go to any country, any place, at any time of history. And grief and loss is a universal language. Because everybody grieves, says the Reverend Jock Lewis. And we all know that feeling and that numbness that comes with death and grief and loss. And we struggle to get up in the morning and to find meaning in life. And we wonder, we wonder if life will ever be good again. But is there grace and hope and joy even in our grief? Is there grace and hope and joy even in the pain that we experience in our communities and in our world? And does that grief serve a purpose? Because sorrow <clears throat> and grief break open our hearts like no other thing. And what do we find there when our hearts are broken? Suffering reminds us that we do have a heart. I'm not talking about the physical heart in our body either here, that we have a heart and we have a great capacity to love, to experience joy, and to forgive. Henry Nguyen in his book, Finding My Way Home, writes, the heart is the center of our being where God comes to dwell with us and God brings the divine gifts of trust and hope and love and a joy that is not of this world. And it's a pure gift. As Carol was mentioning, as we go through that grief and that suffering, we start to discover the gifts that that person shared with us or that place. And we continue to receive them. I remember one morning, always in the morning, I go in, into my room and I just spend some time in contemplative prayer. And I moved my, my prayer room down to, to mom's room. As many of you know, she was living in the back of our house in, a, in the bedroom back there. And so I went into her room before the sun came up. And I was sitting and praying in my mom's recliner in her bedroom. And I lit a, a small votive candle and it was just flickering in the darkness. And as often happens when death is fresh and it's very raw, my thoughts turn to despair. I don't know if you do that. <laughs> my thoughts turn to despair. The longing, the ifs and the buts, the guilt, the regrets. I think we all do this. 
when someone we love dearly dies close to us. And the constant questions, I wish I would have done this and I should have done this. And that record was just playing over and over and over in my mind. And then I heard this voice. It was not audible, the voice, but it was distinguishable. And I heard this presence simply say, I love you. And I said, what? I said this in my prayer. And this presence said again, I love you. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? What do you mean? And I don't know if this voice was God or my mother, or maybe it was the spirit speaking through my mother's spirit. And I could just hear it so clearly, though. Again, it's not audible. You just know it's there. I just love you. You don't have to earn love. You don't have to obtain love. You don't have to be perfect to be loved. You don't have to pass a test so that you are lovable. You are just loved. And in that grief and in that sorrow, the only thing I could describe is complete joy. Knowing I was loved and forgiven and fully restored, a dawning of joy came from within my heart. <clears throat> and it's hard to explain that awareness. And perhaps John Wesley said it best. He simply said, my heart felt strangely warmed. And that changed his life completely. Before that time, he, he had an intellectual relationship with God and, and the Holy Spirit and Jesus. And from that point on, he had a very personal, intimate relationship. And it was rooted in great joy. He said, my heart was strangely warmed. And sitting in my mom's chair in the pre-dawn darkness, a wonderful joy flowed from my heart. I was loved, period. And I think this is true of all of, the, all of us. It's not unique. That we are accepted, we are forgiven, and we are restored. And so one of the gifts of death with all of its sorrow and pain, does light also come in and out through our brokenness? My sorrow remained. It's still here today. But I have complete faith that joy is greater than our pain. Joy and suffering are two sides of the same coin, says Lou. And joy is the gift of love. It is our foundation. And nothing can take that joy from us. Nothing can separate us <clears throat> from the love of God. And we read that in Romans. And joy and sadness can live together within us at the same time. I think we have found that to be true. That we can have so much grief and so much pain at the same time. Go, but I've also never experienced so much joy. I've never felt so alive in my life. And they coexist with one another. It's hard to explain. But joy and sadness can live together. <clears throat> and afterwards, we learn never to despair because of the dark side of things. Because the dark side is never the whole. 
Although when we're in the middle of grief and sorrow, it always appears like this is it, this is the whole. The dark side is never the whole. And as Jesus says, we will weep and mourn, but our pain will turn into joy. And my prayer for all of us is that we may trust that even when it seems dark and cold, joy will arise because we are not alone. God is with us and God loves and accepts and heals and fills us with a contagious joy over time. And we continue to receive those gifts of God through those that we love. And the sun does rise. Amen.